Was Hitler a Rothschild? Episode 2 with VT's Michael Shrimpton. Right here, right now on VT Radio. Let's go. With host Johnny Punish. We're back on VT Radio with the effervescent Michael Shrimpton all the way from London in the UK. Michael Shrimpton, how are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely fine. T- technically, I'm not in London. I am in I, I am in the UK. I'm I'm in the West Country. I I, I try to not advertise exactly where I am, uh, although I, I don't know why, because the bad guys know exactly where I am. <laughs> yeah, well, well, guy, we could just say London. Was, How's that? London's fair guys, enough. Some, I, somewhere I, near I, London. I'm in the county of Wiltshire. There you go. In a military town. And today, Michael, I, I want to talk to you today about um, Hitler and the Rothschilds. We had a, a gentleman yes. uh, contact us and ask us, was Hitler a Rothschild? And that was a question that we posed. I, I spoke to uh, another one of the VT writers about it last week. I'm going to talk to you about it today. I, I'd love to get your perspective on this because, you know, you're over there on the front lines where Adolf Hitler actually did uh, – have an effect on your country, direct. Well, and yes, so you, know, you saw it. things that, yes, obviously the bombing yeah. of London, right? So, uh, and uh, what was that guy's name? The, the 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 Nazi that flew over to northern northern UK was uh, it Rudolf, uh, Hess. Rudolf Hess? That's right. I apologize. Yeah, that was a crazy moment, wasn't it? Yeah, so, well, that, I've written about that on VT, uh, and if, if people want to know about the truth about uh, Rudolf Hess, they should read my columns on VT. Um, Absolutely, and yeah, I've, been yeah. consult- I've been consulted by one of the uh, authors on uh, of a book on Hess. Uh, he was yeah, working. Absolutely. He wasn't working for Canar- He wasn't working for Hitler. He was working for Canaris. Rudolf Hess. For, for listeners who don't uh, or viewers, uh, and I should apologise by the way. I I been on holiday, but my partner was rushed to hospital by emergency ambulance and uh with suspected pneumonia and the holiday was extended uh, at one point we looked like we might have to come back in an air ambulance so my my regular column didn't come out last week and it, it's it's uncertain it'll come out this week as i have uh, in part of yeah, my Michael, day, that's completely a- understandable completely understandable sorry to hear that uh you said that was a, a you, that happened overseas or where that happened yeah that that happened on holiday there is an intelligence investigation as to whether the aircraft systems were contaminated i don't think they were uh, but he's older than me. I'm gay. He's older than me. And uh, he was therefore more vulnerable than any passenger on the plane. Therefore, it's not impossible. I think Porton Down, the chemical weapons establishment, which is just up the road from me, uh, not by coincidence, uh, I think they have been consulted. Um, I don't think it was an assassination attempt. It might have been, but I don't think so. I think it was just one of those things. He picked up a chest infection and it got worse and ended up being rushed to hospital with suspected pneumonia. Right. We'll, we'll definitely keep us posted on that. In, will, in regards yes. well, he's, to he's okay, he's pulled, Adolf, he's, he's okay. He's pulled through, but it was a bit of a shock yeah. seeing seeing a man you love being anyone you love being wheeled into the emergency room at half past three in the morning in a foreign country. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Uh, Michael, in regards to Adolf Hitler and the Rothschilds, is there any truth to that matter that Hitler was right. either r- r- none whatsoever? Explain none none whatsoever. No. Hitler, Hitler. There, there is. Uh, I mean, it gets very confusing. Uh, the Rothschilds are technically not Jewish. They're technically Khazars. Uh, but then, then we're getting into really deep territory where I'll probably get a memo from the Vatican. Uh, the the Khazars are the descendants of Jesus, which uh, 
for those, uh, if you have any fundamentalist Christian listeners, they're going to say, well, hang on, Jesus didn't have any kids, uh, and therefore there can't be any descendants of Jesus. Well, that's all nonsense. The, the king is a descendant of Jesus. Um, he did, in fact, have three children, uh, and he didn't die on the cross. He was, he, was, he, was, he, he was an historical figure. There's no doubt that there was uh, a man called Jesus Christ, and there's no doubt that he was crucified, uh, and there's equally no doubt that he survived. He used mandrake, in fact. Uh, which simulated death. Uh, he ended up in the south of France and died, we think, in his early 50s, although it's, it's a bit like Adolf Hitler's death. There are, there's uncertainty surrounding it. Uh, and the descendants of Jesus then formed the European royal households. Basically, I mean, a genuine, not all, uh, but a genuine European royal house will be descendants of Jesus. Uh, there's bad guy descendants, two, two of the bloodlines went wonky and ended up with the kings of France and the Kaiser of Germany, and one of the bloodlines ended up with the British royal family. They're the nice, they, they were the nice bloodline. Um, but it, it, we're, we're dealing here with really deep matters. We're dealing with absolute, you know, we're dealing with the fundamentals of history here, which the Nazis understood up to a point, not fully, but... It's certainly something Heinrich Himmler was interested in. Uh, and it's certainly something the Vatican know all about. <laughs> they're, very, they're a bit nervous of me, Johnny, because they know I know too much, I think, from their perspective. Um, well, explain that to us. Explain it to our readers, because obviously th that's a subject that's not covered too much. You know what I mean? No, and I, I, it is a delicate subject, and I, I, I don't want to offend people's sensibilities. Uh, and nothing I say should be taken as knocking... Christian ethics, they're the finest set of ethics that, that anyone's ever come up with in human history. And, of course, they're Judeo-Christian ethics. They're not, just, uh, they're not just purely Christian ethics. And they are the finest set of principles by which uh, human society uh, is, is governed or should be governed that anyone has ever come up with. And I, I'm always a bit wary about undermining Christianity because... I mean, Christianity basically is a good thing. A great deal of evil has been done in the name of Christianity, and the Vatican in particular have been very aggressive in the past, and you've got the Thirty Years' War and tremendous religious upheavals. Um, the Reformation is not understood. The Reformation, the, the, the Reformation was a battle between those who understood the origins of Christianity um, and those who didn't, and th they included Henry VIII. Henry VIII knew full well that he was a descendant of Jesus, um, and that's why he felt able as a descendant of Jesus to tackle the Pope, who was theoretically the vicar of Christ on earth. So the, the, the King of England is, the, is in practice the vicar of Christ in England, um, and our king is a descendant of King David, uh, because Jesus was a descendant of King David. So we're, we're dealing now with... The absolute fundamentals of Western civilization, uh, you know, we're, we're going deep into history here and into territory, which many people, including some of your viewers, will find uncomfortable. I, res I, I respect that. Um, most Christians are decent people um, uh, and uh, live their life according to a, an entirely honorable code, which puts others ahead of self. Uh, love thy neighbor is a great... I know, is a great principle. So nothing, nothing I say should should undermine that. But uh, 
it's also important when forming a, a judgment, as I do as an as a intelligence historian, it's also important to not ignore reality. A reality is that the, the Rothschilds are not Jewish, they're Khazars, they are descendants of Jesus. Now, in a sense, they're Jewish because Jesus was Jewish. Um, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. And, and you can't understand the power of the Rothschilds without understanding uh, their ancestry. The other point to make about the Rothschilds, John, is there are three branches of the Rothschilds. You've got the nasty Rothschilds who are German. Oh, by definition, they're German, so they're nasty. Uh, you've got the French Rothschilds. <laughs> okay. You've got the French Rothschilds. I, I, by the way, I love the Indiana Jones movie. I'm going to review it for my next column. The latest Indiana Jones movie, is very, Harrison Ford, is excellent. Uh, and I loved his comment that, that, that there's a Gestapo SS officer attempting humour and uh, Harrison Ford uh, playing the, the, the great archaeologist, of course, says, says that you're German, don't try humour. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't seen that movie yet. Uh, oh, I actually was there when they were filming it. I was there when they were filming it. I was in Cefalu, Sicily about two years ago, oh. and they were filming it right in the, in the town, and Harrison Ford was there. So, uh, yes, yeah, well, I, I'd like great, to see great, if that's... He's a, great, he's a great man. He's a great actor, and it is. I mean, it's not as good as the original, but then remakes never are. But that's not the point. The point of remakes is not to be better than the original. The point is to take the story forward. And, of course, it's very rare for a remake to be better than the original. I can't think of a single series of films in history where the remakes are better than the original. But the point is that humans love a story. It's part of the human condition. We love telling stories. We love reading stories. And you want to know what happens to your characters. And uh, therefore, you want therefore you want a remake. And <clears throat> the archaeologist in the the Raiders of the Lost Ark is a great character, and the story is a great story. And although it's based on complete bullshit, uh, it's based on Einstein's theory of time travel that space and time are interlinked, which they're right. not. You can't you can't travel through time. If we could travel through time, the Germans would have, the Germans would discover it and, and would reorganize World War One and World War Two. So the, the fact that they lost World War One and World War Two <laughs> is almost conclusive proof that time travel is not possible. Uh, <clears throat> there's no way the Germans, there's no way the Germans, if they ever got hold of time travel, wouldn't try and alter the result of World War One. So we know that time travel is impossible, and we know that Einstein was the senior scientific advisor for German intelligence. We know that he fell for global warming. Um, he, he was smart, but not that smart. He was at IQ about 160, about 27 points below me. Now, uh, at the risk of being accused of being immodest, I'm, I'm sure glad I'm not as dumb as Einstein. Um, he fell for global warming, which is why the Germans lost World War II, <laughs> because they rolled up to Moscow, outside of Moscow, without their winter woolies, where the result of their woolies dropped off. Uh, they froze to death, and, and they got hammered. They, they, the, the, it was so cold that it was the... the fuel and the panzers froze and the engine oil uh, but difficult to start an engine if the engine oil is frozen uh so germany lost world war ii because she invaded the soviet union thinking that einstein was right about global warming and that this carbon dioxide levels went up as they did in the 1930s they assumed the temperature would follow absolute rubbish of course that the, the the carbon dioxide was following the medieval warm period that the carbon dioxide rises in the last hundred years are simply tracking uh, temperature rises about three quarters of a millennium ago. So Einstein was quite capable of getting things wrong. It's unclear, Johnny, whether when he came up with this nonsense of a space-time continuum, 
that he ah. was it was a deliberate error. It may have been a deliberate error, like the speed of light is the maximum you can travel at, which again is complete utter nonsense. We've got whole bloody galaxies receding from the Milky Way faster than the speed of light. The whole galaxy can travel faster than the speed of light, so can a spaceship. Um the we don't know if it was a deliberate error or not. It, it's just possible Einstein believed this nonsense. But one thing, one thing Einstein did create was wonderful opportunities for scriptwriters. So the whole, the whole Harrison Ford movie ends up with Harrison Ford meeting Archimedes, uh, uh, which uh, in reality would not be possible. Uh, but it's unusual to see Archimedes feature in a, in a, in a, in a 21st century film, but trust me, he does. Uh, now, as I say, it, it, it's impossible. <laughs> now I have to see it. <laughs> it's scientifically impossible. It's scientifically illiterate, but it is great fun. And time travel makes for wonderful movie scripts. Uh, there's the whole of now, now Michael, Star, Star, I mean, Star Trek is based. Uh, the whole of Star Trek is not whole Star Trek, but a huge number of episodes of Star Trek have talked about uh, time continuum, uh, breaches in the time continuum, and uh, it's just, it, it's wonderful, wonderful uh, television. Uh, rubbish science. Uh, coming back to the right. point I was making. Um, Before I get you there, Michael, let me ask you a big favor so we don't drive our editor crazy. Can you can you consistently stay in that in that picture right there and don't move back because what happens when you move really back, the audio fades. Ah, oh, I apologize. Oh, well, I, I, I yeah, that's okay. So I just stay stay right there so that because I'm going to hear it from my editor, she's going to really get in my face. Like, hey, tell that guy to get back in the picture. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll tell, well, I always like to be. I always like to be in the picture, Johnny. I should explain to viewers. Uh, I have invested in a large new monitor, which is a marvelous way of working. My laptop was taken down in a virus, and I thought, well, oh. instead of lugging a big laptop around, uh, uh, the big laptops are fine for working at home. Not so good when you're constantly taking the thing to court and away on holiday, etc. So I thought right. I'll go for a smaller laptop, but a big monitor. So I've got a great big monitor, which is marvelous. Great. It does mean that I the monitor is up high and the the camera is down a bit low, so I haven't quite adjusted to the the new methods gotcha. of working. And well, you look you look handsome and good on the screen, my friend. You look well, good. that's that, that, that's very good. I'm afraid I have a lovely, comfortable rocking armchair, and I I do have a yeah. tendency to uh, whenever whenever I'm working in this room, I, I do have a tendency to to swing back on the armchair. Of course. Now, now let's get back to Adolf Hitler. Uh, and I. I'd like to know the relationships of the Rothschilds with Nazi Germany, or did they have a relationship with the, with the Nazis? Oh, Germany? they did, yes. Yeah. So the point I was making is the three branches of the Rothschilds. You've got the German Rothschilds who are scumbags, no offense intended. You've got the French Rothschilds who are scumbags, but scumbags with style. So your French Rothschild okay. would certainly invite you to dinner. He might poison you during dinner, but, but at least he'd invite you to dinner and would all serve a decent claret. Uh, uh, so the French Rothschilds have a good seller um, and tend to be quite charming, but uh, they are bad guys. I mean, they're French. Uh, and then you have the British Rothschilds. Now, the British Rothschilds tend to be rather nice and usually have a steam engine in the garden, uh, like Leopold Rothschild. Uh, they are close to the royal family, very distantly related, of course, to the royal family, uh, like my partner, in fact, who's a cousin of the king, very distant cousin, nonetheless a cousin of the king. Uh, and uh, the British Rothschilds, uh, are, are, on the whole, are good guys. Not, not, not entirely, 
um, uh, but certainly a lot nicer than the French and German Rothschilds. So you can't, to speak of the Rothschilds as one family is technically correct in the sense that they are all related, all the branches are connected to each other, uh, they're all related to each other, but they are not, they have very distinct styles, cultures, and politics. And there are three, it's a family, but with three main branches. Now, it's quite clear that Adolf Hitler is in no way related to the Rothschilds, um, but it's not impossible he had Jewish ancestry. In fact, I think he did. Uh, indeed, uh, although he was anti-Semitic, there were limits to his anti-Semitism. Uh, this, was, this was a very controversial point, certainly a few years ago, and I had a bit of a bust-up in Mossad over this. Uh, but I did say, look, Hitler in private, because I remember, bear in mind, I've dealt with people who met Hitler in private. One of them was the Earl of Hume, British Prime Minister, who was at the Munich Conference uh, as Lord Dunglass in 1938. Uh, Hitler in private was quite charming and could be well behaved. Uh, he certainly was very fond of children, unless they were Jewish, and very fond of dogs. He was very fond of his dog, Blondie. He, he was a much warmer individual than uh, the sort of, cardboard cutout character that you might see in, in an Indiana Jones movie. And uh, the, 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 Mossad certainly had a, a, a big issue with that until I explained that, well, actually, Hitler wasn't at the 1C conference and the driver for the Holocaust wasn't Hitler, it was Canaris. And the main purpose of the Holocaust was a thank you to the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem for his support uh, for seizing the oil fields of the Middle East. So the, the Holocaust had a strategic driver, which was oil and German capture of the Middle East, for which they needed the assistance of the Muslim Brotherhood, which was set up by German intelligence, and the assistance of uh, various key players in the Middle East, including the Grand Mufti. So Hitler, Hitler himself is certainly on record as saying that the solution for Jews in Germany might be deportation or uh, emigration rather than extermination. The, the evidence for Hitler's personal support for the Holocaust, the historic evidence is a little bit thin. Uh, he never, for example, there's no record, for example, of Hitler ever visiting a concentration camp. He might have done, but uh, I can't, I couldn't take you to a single incident that's a, a, a reliably proven to be a, a, a record of Hitler attending or visiting a concentration camp. The concentration camps really weren't his idea. They were Admiral Canaris's idea. Uh, you talked about Rudolf Hess. Well, Rudolf Hess reported to Canaris. He is the author of a book that some of your viewers will have heard of called Mein Kampf. Uh, I appreciate that Adolf Hitler's name appeared on the cover, uh, but then Prince Harry's name appears on the cover of his book. Uh, the fact that <laughs> the fact that somebody's name on the cover, I wrote Spy Hunter, every word of Spy Hunter, I didn't have a ghostwriter, but uh, uh, Adolf Hitler and, and Prince Harry, not that I'm comparing the two, but uh, Prince Harry uh, had a ghostwriter and so did Adolf Hitler. Uh, and Adolf Hitler's ghostwriter was Rudolf Hess. And the relationship between Hess and Hitler again, is coming back to my point that Hitler was a slightly warmer human being than, than newsreels would have you believe. 
Um, Hitler was bisexual. Uh, Hess was gay, and they were in a relationship. Remember, they were sharing a cell in a prison in Munich, in Bavaria, uh, after the 23 push. And so there was a sexual relationship between Hitler and Hess, which was quite warm. And that, again, was another source of Hess's power, that, that he had the goods on, on the boss, because he, he knew the boss was bisexual, swung both ways. And uh, they'd been in a relationship together. And you, so you can't understand Hitler. You know, I, I'm an historian. I want the facts. I don't want cardboard cutouts. Um, and I'm not saying Hitler was a good guy. He wasn't. He's so evil. He could have been a European commissioner. But he <laughs> was a lot less evil than Admiral Canaris. Touche. Fair enough. Exactly. Yeah. He was a lot less evil than Admiral Canaris. Uh, he was not as evil as is commonly portrayed. And <clears throat> in fairness to the German people, I should explain uh, on, on the chest, the, the chest infection, which nearly killed my poor partner, <coughs> resulting in his emergency dash in the early hours of the morning to Las Palmas Hospital, which, by the way, is brilliant. Uh, I picked up a chest infection on the same flight, and I'm still trying to shake it off. I haven't had time to go to see the doctor. I've been too busy. Uh, I hope to be on antibiotics, but... but um, uh, that requires a visit to the doctor and that requires time and I don't have it. So I'm stuffing my face full of cough remedies, which is ridiculous, really. I should just tell everybody to go to hell for 24 hours sure. and get myself fit. But there we go. One is busy. Um, uh, Hitler, uh, Canaris is the more evil of the two and it's Canaris who sets up the Holocaust um, and it's and and Hess reports to Canaris. So Hitler, coming back to my re returning to my point, Hitler was not quite as anti-Semitic as the cardboard cutout image of him has. Uh, he wasn't responsible for the Holocaust in the way that Canaris was. He su he supported the policy. It was the policy of the German government to exterminate Germany's Jewish population the Jewish population in the captured territories. So he can't, he cannot be heard, he couldn't be heard to say, I had no responsibility for the Holocaust. Of course he did. But he did not have primary responsibility for the Holocaust. It was not his idea and he was not the primary driver. He had no power, he didn't have the power to organize the resources and the Holocaust absorbed enormous amounts of uh, resources uh, which would never have been made available had there not been a strategic reason for it, as I say, related to uh, oil and the need to um, uh, seize the Middle East and also threaten India uh, in conjunction with the Japanese move west. So the Japanese, the Germans wanted to move east, the Japanese wanted to move west. And, right. Well, and Germany doesn't have between. oil per se at all, right? I mean, Correct. they have no oil. Yeah, yeah, there was almost no, German domestic oil production was virtually nil. Uh, there was a little bit, but not much. Um, the Germans relied heavily on Romania and the oil fields at Plosti, which were bombed brilliantly by the U.S. Army Air Corps with their B-24 Liberators, beat the crap out of the Plosti the oil refineries, which were very, very important. Uh, Romania was a huge source of, uh, of oil. Um, Stalingrad was triggered by the German need for oil in the Caucasus. So that, that the idea there was to seize the Caucasus and the oil-bearing you know, the, 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 the oil production in the Caucasus, and that failed. And that's why the Germans got themselves trapped at Stalingrad. They were after the oil. The Holocaust was all about going after the oil in the Middle East. Remember, uh, Iraq and Persia, or now Iran, 
were both major sources of oil. And the Germans also knew, German intelligence knew that Britain had developed uh, uh, the, the, the concept of offshore drilling. Now, offshore drilling was, there was huge interference by the Abwehr on oil company boards. And oil companies basically agreed not to do offshore drilling. Uh, we only had offshore drilling production after the war, but the technology was understood before the war. We could actually have had offshore drilling before World War in the 1930s and throughout the whole of World War II, both in the United States and in the Middle East, which would have greatly increased the oil available to the Allies and also natural gas. We could have had natural gas-fired turbines resulting in cheaper aluminium and steel um, and uh, cheaper energy for factories because we'd invented the gas turbine in Britain in the 1920s. But all of this technology was suppressed, again, by Admiral Canaris uh, and the Abwehr. So, uh, say Hitler, there is definite historical evidence for Hitler having some Jewish ancestry. I think it's on his mother's side. Uh, not, not a great deal of Jewish ancestry, but uh, but some. And Schickelgruber, I think, was her name. Oh well, that, the Schickelgruber was a was a yeah. That was that was actually put around by the Allies in in World War Two. That the, 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 his name was not Schickelgruber. His name was. Hitler. Okay. <clears throat> His father was a lawyer. Right. Hitler. Uh, Stuckel Gruber was a was a a piece of Western propaganda. It was quite effective, but but, but oh. that, that was that was not his real name. But I'd say that there is there is certainly historical evidence for him having some Jewish ancestry, as did Heinrich Himmler. Interestingly. Uh, right. There, there's, there was actually a lot of uh, Jewish uh, officers in the Nazi uh, uh, military. Was that not, is that not true also? Correct. Yes, there would have been. Yeah, yes, because there, there was quite a lot. And of also, people. is it also correct that Hitler tried to uh, deport or uh, transfer uh, a lot of uh, the Jewish citizens uh, using the transfer agreement into Palestine? Uh, is that also true? Uh, certainly, that was, yes, I, I mentioned that earlier. Uh, Hitler's favoured policy was deportation or expulsion of Jews, not their extermination. And he certainly favoured the idea of sending them to Palestine, what is now Israel. Uh, so I suppose in one sense, it, there was a sort of Zionist. He wasn't really a Zionist at all. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, he was certainly helping the Zionists get Israel, right? Well, yes, he certainly favoured the policy of settling Jews in Palestine, which is, after all, the Jewish homeland. I mean, the, the Jews got there. Remember, the Arabs have jolly come lately. The Arabs didn't roll up till the seventh century. Uh, the the Jews were there first. I mean, Israel is the Jewish homeland. Uh, they were there. King David was there on the throne of Israel a hell of a lot longer than uh, before Muhammad rolls up. Uh, and of course, but Muhammad that would also argue that the ancient Hebrews. Uh, those were the ancient Hebrews of 5,000 years ago, but uh, many argue that the European J uh, Jewish citizens of Germany are actually no relation to the ancient Hebrews whatsoever. Uh, well, they are. They I mean, they're, 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 are well, again, you, you, there, there are two issues here, ethnicity and religion. They share the same religion. Okay. Um, yeah. I, 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 yes, they, ethnicity is another matter altogether. And you've got, uh, uh, got Shavadic Jews and so on. Um uh, yes, there may not be much of a direct ancestry, uh, but there's certainly some. Um, and 
but they they do share the same. It's the same religion. Uh, the traditions of these. Right. I mean, I've attended Jewish religious services. I, I've been to the Grand Synagogue in Jerusalem. Uh, very moving, and one could see the origins of Christianity. Uh, the service. Somebody came up to me after the service, an Israeli intelligence officer. Did you notice anything familiar? And I said, Well, yes. As an Anglican, I'm practicing Anglican. May not believe in God, but I certainly believe in the Anglican Church. Uh, I believe in the three things that Anglicans need to believe in, steam engines, cricket, and the royal family. And <laughs> okay. I said, yes, there, there, are, there, uh, there are echoes. I, I can see the echoes of modern Christian services in this very ancient and very lovely Jewish service. Um, and I come back to the Judeo-Christian tradition. It is a Judeo, it's not just a Christian tradition, it's a Judeo-Christian, it's a Judeo-Christian tradition. And it, it, our Western tradition is, owes a great deal uh, to uh, Judaism. And, and owes a great deal to paganism too, and the Greeks and so on, uh, and the Romans. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, uh, the, the, you know, Western civilization has a number of foundations uh, but one of the foundations, undoubtedly, uh, is the Jewish religion. And say, so our king is a descendant of King David, uh, and the Kaiser is a descendant of one of the bloodlines from from Jesus. But I don't. I, I certainly would wholly reject the suggestion that Hitler was a Rothschild. He clearly wasn't. But the story of Nazi Germany is a lot more complex than narrative historians would have you believe, and. It's clear that the German branch of the Rothschild family supported Hitler. That may be the source of the rumour. Uh, it's absolutely clear <clears throat> that the German branch of the Rothschild family worked closely with German intelligence, and German intelligence installed Hitler. Canaris installed Hitler, who in World War One was not a well, he was a corporal. That was his rank, but he was an intelligence officer, and his importance was way out of proportion to his actual rank. He reported to General Ludendorff, which is why Ludendorff and in turn Hindenburg uh, supported the idea of Hitler as Chancellor. He wasn't some unknown quantity. Uh, he was an intelligence officer. Indeed, interestingly, British intelligence, someone of British intelligence picked this up, that there was this intelligent and very dangerous man um, and, and we actually concentrated at one point of World War One. we actually concentrated on Hitler's section of the front. So it looks as though at some point somebody wanted to actually target Hitler, understanding that he was a, playing a very key role in German intelligence. We still, Johnny, we, we, I mean, it's lost in the midst of time. Uh, we don't have anything like the full picture of Hitler's true role in World War One, but it was a lot more than just being a grunt in the trenches, which makes sense. I mean, the guy ends up as head of the German state. Uh, so it, it, to go from corporal to head of state in the space of uh, 15 years uh, in a country as sophisticated as Germany would be a bit remarkable. Uh, uh, the, the reason, uh, the answer to that, of course, is not a conundrum at all. Uh, he didn't go from being corporal to head of state. He went from being a very valued member of the German intelligence community to being head of state, and he was installed by German intelligence. The problem came when he set up his own intelligence agency, uh, the SS, through uh, with Heinrich Himmler in charge, 
and Himmler was suddenly an intelligence officer to rival Canaris in power. And with Heinrich Himmler's backing, uh, Hitler ended up seizing the Austrian gold reserves in 1938. And all of a sudden, the Nazis were financially independent of Canaris and had their own intelligence service. Canaris himself was gay. And there's no doubt that Heinrich, who was also gay, had the goods on Wilhelm, Wilhelm Canaris. So uh, you have Canaris losing control of Hitler, by, by certainly by the Anschluss. He's lost control of Hitler completely. And by 1939, he's realized, uh-oh, uh, we need to bump Hitler off. So Canaris installs Hitler, loses control, uh, and then tries to have him bumped off. And I suppose the same might happen in England. Uh, the, the Cabinet Secretary, Simon Case, controls the PM. Um, the PM might find himself being bumped off if, if, if he were to acquire independence from the Cabinet Secretary. So that's highly unlikely. Incidentally, we've just lost through cancer, query whether it was induced cancer or naturally occurring cancer, Bob Kerslake, who was the head of the Home Civil Service, alongside the traitor Jeremy Haywood during the 2012 Olympic bomb plot, which uh, uh, as a result of which I was prosecuted on a wholly bogus prosecution. Uh, uh, Bob Kerslake snuffed it uh, only this week. Well, the news broke only this week. So you have Canaris in charge of Hitler or Canaris controlling Hitler, then losing control and then trying to get him bumped off. The first credible assassination attempt on Hitler was in 1939. And there's nothing to do with Smolensk and bombs and you know, 43. You, you can go back to 1939 for the first assassination attempt on Adolf Hitler. And Rudolf Hess's move to Britain in 41 was designed to undermine Hitler. Uh, Canaris wanted to assassinate Churchill and assassinate the king. The Germans wanted to install Edward VIII, although I'm not, I'm not saying Edward VIII would have agreed to have been installed. Uh, I don't think he would have been, in fact. He, I don't think he would have done. But uh, the Germans certainly intended to install Edward VIII as king, and they intended to install a real scumbag called Beaverbrook, um, a bent Canadian uh, asset of the Abwehr, uh, who resigned from the government shortly before Hess arrived, uh, they intended to install Beaverbrook as prime minister, uh, uh, with Churchill having been assassinated. Um, incidentally, I knew the MI5 agent who warned MI5 and in turn, who in turn warned Churchill. And that was a man called Michael Foote. Michael Foote was a British politician. He was a charming man, gay, ended up as leader of the Labour Party. I got to know him when I was in the Labour Party in the 1980s. I got on well with Michael. Uh, Michael saved Churchill's life. He was Beaverbrook's secret lover, installed by Beaverbrook in a flat in the West End. Uh, he was kept out of the army uh, through Beaverbrook's influence over the cabinet office. So the cabinet secretary, Bridges, who was a German spy, kept Michael Foote out of the services. Uh, and MI5 were very happy with that arrangement because Michael Foote was a patriot. Uh, he was a bit of an idiot, I and mean, he was a socialist, so you can't be a, you know, his politics were a bit odd, and, and he had some wrong thinking. He, he certainly wasn't the right-thinking man, but he was a patriot, and he saved Churchill's life by shopping uh, the, the plan to assassinate him at a place called Ditchley Manor, and Churchill cancelled the trip to Ditchley where he was going to be whacked. The king 
uh, MI5 also spotted the attempt on the king, which was going to happen at Windsor Castle. Uh, a colonel of the Coldstream Guards uh, coughed to that and was then banished to Scotland, very, very unusually for Britain. Uh, it was an almost medieval remedy, banishment, but he agreed to go to Scotland and never return to England, uh, which he did. I mean, he, 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 was, he was allowed to live, but uh, uh, he was placed under certain restrictions, which, to which he voluntarily agreed in exchange for not being hanged. Uh, so that, that, that whole Hess trip was, you know, the, the, he brought with him a peace treaty which had been drafted in the German foreign ministry. The idea that he didn't know what he was doing is ludicrous. He was actually quite a good pilot and he was supplied by the Messerschmitt company who had major contracts with the Luftwaffe, obviously, for the ME-109, ME-110, etc. Uh, uh, he had fitted the latest radio navigation equipment uh, he was carefully, he had carefully trained for the flight. Uh, what he hadn't allowed for, and I come back to my earlier point about Heinrich Himmler, what he hadn't allowed for was Heinrich Himmler. The whole idea of a peace, peace between Britain and Germany, uh, getting rid of Adolf Hitler, he would have been assassinated probably, um, and installing uh, Hess as Fuhrer of Germany as the successor to Hitler. He was Hitler's deputy, remember? The whole idea of installing Rudolf Hess as Führer and Beaverbrook as um, Prime Minister in Britain, so you'd have the Prime Minister of Britain and the Führer of Germany, who would then be called President, not Führer, reporting to Admiral Canaris. Uh, Canaris would have regained control over the German government. Uh, that whole plot was spotted by Heinrich Himmler, who turned off the radio beacon. So poor old Hess is stooging around the North Sea, expecting a signal from this state-of-the-art telefunken transmitter <laughs> to find the bloody thing's been right. switched off. And he had to retrace his steps. Uh, he had to go back to one of his waypoints uh, because he needed to cut across the North Sea at, at a particular juncture. Uh, and, of course, that made the flight late. He should actually have abandoned the flight altogether. Uh, and he arrived in England, <coughs> arrived in Scotland, rather, at night time and ended up bailing out, which was not the plan at all. Messerschmitt 110 was a very difficult aircraft to bail out of. In fact, a lot of pilots didn't make it. Uh, he certainly wasn't going to land uh, at the Duke of Hamilton's airfield, as is claimed and has been claimed for the last 80 years. That was complete crap because as the authors of the, the, the series, excellent series of books on Hess who have consulted me, that as they point out in their series of books, um, there was no runway lighting, so he couldn't, uh, and the airfield was too small anyway. So the, air, the airfield couldn't accommodate a Messerschmitt 110, and which is a fairly heavy aircraft, twin engine, uh, and they had no runway lighting, so there was never any possibility of landing there at night. Uh, and indeed, the aircraft couldn't have got down there during the day anyway. He was actually going to an RAF airfield where the cabinet secretary, a German spy, had arranged a reception committee, which included the German spy Frank Foley. Uh, the Hess, the Hess. Pl uh, plot it was very, very carefully thought out and very sophisticated and very dangerous and was uh, was frustrated by some excellent work from uh, MI5, helped by their man, Michael Foote, to whom Britain knows. incredible a story that we don't always hear story. on and, um, the mainstream news. Yeah, we, we owe a great deal of gratitude. We owe a huge debt of gratitude to uh, Michael Foote. Um, Michael Foote, in, I mean, uh, uh, although he had a very left-wing manifesto described as the longest suicide note in history, 
uh, Michael Foote was treated quite generously by the British establishment on the whole. Uh, he certainly was treated generously by the royal family. Uh, and that's the reason why. The, I remember the media kicking up a huge fuss when he turned up uh, in a donkey jacket at the Remembrance Sunday, uh, and it was said that he was being disrespectful. He wasn't, actually. He just was He, he just was shabby full stop. I, mean, I never saw Michael smartly dressed. He was always wearing that bloody donkey jacket. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, he just, uh, he, he, he wasn't uh, a smart dresser at all. He was not a snappy dresser. But he had written the card he, himself, unlike the leaders of the other parties who'd had it typed out for them. Uh, so he did care about the dead, uh, our war dead. He did care about this country. He was a patriot. And that, although I'm a right-wing Tory or right-wing conservative, no longer certainly no longer associated with the Tory party, which is no longer right-wing. Um, it's a centrist party at the moment with a centrist leader in Rishi Sunak, who's a complete fool, um, and is about to get hammered in a series of by-elections. But Michael Foote was a patriot and played a key role in saving Winston Churchill's life in May 41. So, that, so would, would you the, say, Michael, that... I was going to say, would you say that Adolf Hitler was funded by who? If he wasn't a Rothschild, where did oh, he well, get his uh, backings from? Well, he got his backing from German intelligence. So there's a Rothschild connection to the funding because the Rothschilds were heavily involved in offshore high-yield trading, uh, which was controlled by German intelligence in conjunction with the Rothschilds, which is how Germany funded World War I and World War II. That's why the Titanic was sunk. The Titanic was sunk to ensure German control of the Federal Reserve because the key opponents were all on the same ship as the Germans. It's called funneling. Uh, you put all your targets in one place and then you then you wipe them out. Very similar to what was planned during the Olympic uh, the Olympic uh, bomb plot. Put all the all key members of the royal family uh, were going to be in the same place at the same time. The plan was to wipe the entire royal family out uh, up to the Duke of York, who would then have been installed as king. Uh, and the Germans had, of course, compromised him through their man, Epstein, who was murdered uh, a couple of years ago to prevent the truth coming out in a, in a federal penitentiary, as I have explained in my column on VT. Right, right. Now, well, you only now get, you only get that, we're normally, coming towards the end of the show. Sorry, I was going to say, you normally, ahead, get, you only, norm, normally you only get murdered in a federal penitentiary uh, if the feds uh, yeah. are, are happy with the murder. I mean, no, normally the feds sign off on a murder in a federal penitentiary. State penitentiaries, yeah, that's different. State penitentiaries, you can be murdered by gangs, you can be murdered by anybody in a state penitentiary, uh, you can be murdered by the cleaners, but uh, or the prison guards. But uh, in a federal penitentiary, normally, if somebody's knocked over in a federal penitentiary, uh, someone, someone in the federal government has signed off on it. Yeah, I was going to say, Michael, as we come up with our uh, towards the end of the show here, uh, yeah. so we made it clear to our readers and viewers that asked that Hitler absolutely had no relation. He was no, not I, I, I don't think, I don't think there's any... Are. If there's a relationship, it would be exceedingly distant uh, uh, not worth worrying about. But uh, Rothschild funding of Hitler, yes, because the Rothschilds are linked into German intelligence and offshore high-yield trading, and that's where the Abwehr got their cash from, or most of it. Uh, so the initial funding of Hitler comes from German intelligence because he is a German intelligence officer and an asset of Canaris. 
Hitler's independent, the independent funding for the Nazis comes when they seize the Austrian gold reserves and suddenly have 11 metric tons of gold to play with and can do their own trade. He, went, uh, he crossed over, what, what did they call, it wasn't called the War of the Roses, was it? No, that was the, no, the War of the Roses. What did they call England, that? The, the Anschluss. The Anschluss. The Anschluss. I apologize. Yeah, that's right. So, yes. so when he crossed over, I believe it was Salzburg, wasn't it? When he crossed over, uh, Salzburg is in Austria. Uh, rather nice. I like Salzburg. Um, I love <clears> Salzburg. Yeah, I, I think Salzburg is a very good place. Um, that's where Ted Heath was given the bad news by the DVD that I had spotted him, and he had decided to have a pulmonary embolism and stuff it. Um, he was there oh, for right, a Mozart right. festival. Uh, well, uh, he, he ended up. I, in I think Hitler point. was in Vienna giving a speech uh, at the. Uh, well, he gave a speech to the uh, Austrian people. That that big famous speech that he gave. Yes. And uh, but it was really for control of the gold, right? Yeah. Yes. That, that the Anschluss was all about the Austrian gold reserves. Absolutely. I mean, they they wanted they, he want. I mean, Hitler wanted to merge. He was an Austrian, remember, not a German. So he wanted to merge Germany and Austria. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so there were strategic gains other than the gold, but the primary, the primary motive was the gold. That's what they were really after: was the Austrian gold reserves, which they were able to get. Uh, I mean, they expanded gotcha, the Wehrmacht. Gotcha. There were Austrian divisions then become part of the Wehrmacht, and uh, there was a small Austrian air force, and that's merged with the Luftwaffe. So yeah, yes, it strengthened the Third Reich, but it was the gold they were really after. Follow gotcha. the money. So let, let me ask you, Michael. Now, now, what do you got coming up this week? Are you going to be uh, posting next week on VT? What, what, well, what, what are you covering hoping, this week? Uh, I, I am very, very tied up with a, an important habeas corpus application, uh, which has been delayed by cases blowing up. Every time I sit down to work on it, another case blows up. I, uh, I've got the employment tribunal case that's taken most of my time up this week, just finalizing the settlement of. So uh, all my plans get tossed out the window by sudden developments in cases uh, which I can't control, but I, I am hopeful to get my column out this week. If not, it will be uh, next week. Hope, a, aiming, well, for, we'll aiming, aiming, aim, aiming for this week. But. <laughs> well, don't forget to review the uh, Indiana Jones movie. Okay. Oh, the Indiana Jones. Oh no, I'm reviewing Indiana Jones in my next column. Yes, it'll either be this week or next week. It'll probably looking beginning to look like next week. But uh, uh, we're we're aiming we're aiming for this week. Cheers. Michael, Cheers. thank you very much for being on VT Radio today. Uh, I, and for all you listeners out there, don't forget to support VT. We can get a VT cup out there. Or a, on the back, it says VT Radio right there. There you go. Um, but don't forget to support us by buymeacoffee.com. It's on our website at vtforeignpolicy.com. Please become a member of our site or donate a one-time donation. Anything else, because we're definitely not mainstream and we don't get the big advertisers like you see on the MSN or the mainstream media. So anything that you can do to support us is a huge help. Keeps everything online. we got to pay Riverside.fm here who hosts our VT radio show. We uh, use Buzzsprout for distribution. They're fabulous with us as well. So, you know, things cost money on the net these days. It's not free anymore, Michael. So, yeah, anybody can help us out. Please donate. On that note, Michael, I want to say awesome. Thank you very much for explaining this and clarifying it for our readership that asked, was Hitler a Rothschild? And the answer is no, he was not. No. I'll, gi I'll give you the last word, Michael. Have a nice day. Oh, the, the last word is that Johnny Bairstow wasn't out in the second innings at Lords. I think over had, uh, the over was effectively over. There's huge controversies, your listeners may understand, over the Australians failing to withdraw 
an outrageous appeal against Johnny Bestow. That's the that's the big story in England at the moment. I shall be referring to that in my column. Yes, I fired off a message to Fabulous. the Australian Prime Minister yesterday. <laughs> Fabulous, Michael. Have a tremendous day. Okay. If you enjoyed this presentation, hit the like button now. Also, share it with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. VT approves this message.